opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind, I'm Brian McCallan. According to the Portland Press-Herald newspaper in Maine, the state students are getting settled into distance learning for the rest of the school year. Catholic Charities Maine has made this transition for their students that range from birth through young adults to age 20. The organization has moved from helping blind and visually impaired students in the classroom to assisting them at home. Here to explain this new atmosphere, our Catholic Charities' Education Services for Blind and Visually Impaired Children, Program Director Nancy Moulton, and Teacher of the Visually Impaired, Nicole Poisson. And also joining us is Amy Snow, who lives in Arundel, Maine. Amy will explain how the distance learning program is helping her blind son, Tyler, succeed in school. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hi, Brian. Hello. Tell us about yourselves. Okay, so I'll start. My name is Nancy Moulton. I'm the program director for Education Services for Blind and Visually Impaired Children, which is a program of Catholic Charities Maine. Um, and I'm also a teacher for visually impaired children. I'm Nicole Poison, and I'm a teacher of the visually impaired with Catholic Charities of Maine. I've been working here for six years. And I'm Amy Snow. Uh, my husband and Nate and I have two children, Tyler, who's in second grade, and Owen in seventh grade. I'm an elementary classroom teacher, currently teaching a second and third grade multi-age class. And um, we just relocated to Maine this past summer after living in New Hampshire for many years. Boy, all those kids must make you busy. Yes, <laughs> in a good way. All right, Nancy, tell us about Catholic Charities Maine. Sure. Catholic Charities Maine is a, it's a social service agency, um, and our program, Education Services for Blind and Visually Impaired um, Children, has the contract with the State of Maine's Division for the Blind and Visually Impaired to provide services, um, teachers for the visually impaired, to students with visual impairment throughout the state of Maine. So we provide services to children uh, birth through the age of 20 in their local schools or in their homes if they're um, preschoolers. Um, and we address um, compensatory skills such as, as Braille or low vision aids, um, independent living skills. Um, and we work with students um, at whatever their level to encourage them to become as independent as possible. So your program provides instruction, consultation, and assessment for blind kids from we newborns do. through 20 years old. Nancy, why might it be particularly challenging for teachers to work with visually impaired students? So in this, in, in this situation where we're doing this remotely, I think all educators um, have challenges providing services remotely. We're, we're all... Um, having to do things very differently. As teachers of visually impaired, you know, we work, we're very, it's a hands-on um, occupation. We, we work with kids, we show them things, and um, to do that remotely is a challenge, along with the issues of technology. So 
all of these things have have provided um, challenges, but it's been um, an interesting um, endeavor as well. And definitely, this is an unprecedented time. Um, we're going to get a little bit more into that distance learning and how you do it later on. Amy, tell us about your son, Tyler. He's visually impaired, and I understand he's in the second grade. Yes, that's true. He's in second grade and absolutely um, loves school. He definitely thrives on the social interaction with his peers and teachers, and um, he's definitely been making some great academic progress this year. Um, Tyler's very musical. He loves to play the drums and actually has been playing since kindergarten and is also learning to play the piano. Um, he's also very adventurous. He loves to go for hikes and ride his bike. Um, he has a scooter that he loves to ride and he also loves to play games and spend time at the beach with his family. Um, and yes, he's got a condition called bilateral anophthalmia. Um, so he's been blind since birth. It essentially means that his eye, eyes just did not grow in utero. Um, so he was born blind, but it hasn't slowed him down a bit. So he has no eyeballs, but he has eyelids. Eyelids, yes, yep. And it's and it's it's a, it's a range. The condition, you know, some there's actually a um, there's something called microophthalmia too, where sometimes kids are born with very small eyes, but and sometimes it's only on one side um, versus both. But he's one of the rare cases that it's both sides and really no eye material whatsoever, no eyeball, no optic nerve. Nothing at all. So, Nicole, I was looking at the Portland Press Herald, and it says that you visit Tyler three to four times a week to help him with Braille instruction in math, writing, and reading. I can remember growing up also having a teacher of the visually impaired who worked with me on these same three things um, about once or twice a week, but in larger print. Do you believe that? this sort of personal connection is important for maintaining this distance learning? Yeah, it's very important. I can't imagine trying to do this distance learning with a student that I didn't already have a relationship with. But I think that the distance learning has really made our connection stronger. And it's definitely been a valuable chance to be able to include Amy and our lessons and grow that connection too. That's very nice and I agree. We understand that um, there's also been educational packets that have been dropped off and mailed to students. And this is all students. What are some of your packets composed of? Uh, we have some math games that we've been playing and a lot of reading materials, um, try to make it fun, try to play as many games as we can, and um, Tyler enjoys reading too. Um, a lot of pictures for him to look at, we've been learning about um, living plants and things like that. Now, of course, we got Zoom, which we're doing this interview on right now. And then we got FaceTime and the large print and Braille books. How have the teachers incorporated all of this technology and reading materials together to continue educating blind students during this COVID-19 pandemic? So this is Nancy. I can answer that. Um, one of the, I can answer, we've done a lot of different things. Um, teachers are are teaching through Zoom, um, but one of the things that we are we have 
started um, during this um, at-home learning is we've started some read-aloud groups and we actually have two separate groups. One is for some students who are older and like in the fourth, fifth grades, some a couple years older than that. Um, and we are reading chapter books. We do that through um, a conference line. Uh, we just read the story, have discussions. And then at the end of the about 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes, we then play some some games where it gets the kids uh, an opportunity to do some connecting. But during those lessons, we're building auditory skills and um, and really comprehension and that type of thing. And then the other um, group we have, we do a read aloud for early learners and kids anywhere from kindergarten, typically through the second grade, third grade or so, second or third grade, but we have some other kids who are joining us as well, who might be a little older. Um, and in that group, we're doing that through Zoom because that allows us to mute everybody's line so the reader can be heard because the kids are usually pretty excited about that group. We have lots of chatter. So it's a great opportunity um, for kids to share. Sometimes it's a little off topic, but it's always so engaging. They're so interested in seeing one another. Um, but when we do that read aloud, we, um, we do it through Zoom so that I can mute the line, but also uh, we are able to share our screens so we can show the pictures for those students who have vision um, to be able to see the pictures, but we also describe them as well. So the intended, um, you know, outcome for that is to, you know, obviously to be working on listening comprehension and, you know, the academic skills that are related to that. But it's wonderful to see how excited the kids are to get together, to, to listen to the story and share their experiences. So it's, it's been a great opportunity all around. And that gives them an overall sense of routine. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I think I have heard from people um, repeatedly, that they really enjoy um, the routine and the connection. So for some of these kids, you know, just the opportunity to get together twice a week at a certain time. Um, so it does give them, you're right, that, that routine and connection with other kids, because I think that's one of the things that the kids miss as well, is when they're doing this remote learning, they're not seeing their friends. And so the students who are get together that are getting together for this read aloud aren't the students they typically go to school with every day. It does give them that connection with other kids their age. So um, I understand, though, that some routine may be missing right now in this sort of education. Why? Well, I, I think the the issue is that their their typical routine is that they would get up and they would go to school, and so you know first online or um, remote learning looks very different for different students with um, the variations in internet access and um, resources for students some kids do a lot of work on say google classroom but they don't have meetings and some students may have to be um, online at a certain time but others don't so some students aren't getting out of bed at the regular time there are all kinds of variations Plus the fact that we have to remember that the whole country is, is undergoing some, some real drastic changes in routines. And we have 
parents who are trying to work from home and um, and try to support their students in learning. So it's been a real challenge to everybody's routine. The students, yes, but also families and, and teachers and everybody involved in education. So that routine, the normal routine pre-COVID-19 has been taken away, and these students are struggling. But it sounds like your program students are really acclimating well to this distance learning. Right. I think a lot of the students are. I think we certainly have students who who are struggling as well. But the students who um, we are we are really trying to support all students um, that we work with. But um, so some students will still struggle, but other students um, are are doing are doing fine. So we're just trying to support every student in any way we can. Um, what we do through the read alouds is just one way. So there are students with multiple challenges and we are sending materials and resources to their schools or to their, um, you know, to their families. Um, there's all kinds of different ways we're doing this. Just the best we can to meet the individual needs of every student. That's really good. Amy, how has Tyler transitioned to distance learning? Um, so far, distance learning has gone very well for Tyler. Obviously, nothing can replace being in school and face-to-face -face with his peers and teachers, but um, our meetings with Nicole have been incredibly helpful. Um, as you said, she's been sending us materials ahead of time in the mail, so we have uh, what we need for our lessons with her twice each week. Um, and clearly, the meetings are helping Tyler to continue to make forward academic progress. Um, and in addition, helps me to know then what I can be working with him on the days that we don't meet with her, which is also very helpful. Um, and then the, you know, just the social interaction is really key for Tyler too. He gets a huge smile when he hears Nicole's voice come over the computer. Um, and both of us really look forward to our meetings with her each week, twice each week. It sounds like he's transitioned very well. Yeah, so far so good. He's very, he's very easygoing and flexible. So um, that really helps in situations like this. He, He's adapted very well. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, what, what are you guys working with Tyler on exactly? Um, any specific skills? With Tyler is uh, learning to read Braille. So he's learning um, some contractions. And we're working a lot on the abacus. He's become a really good adding and we just started subtracting he like amy said he really has done well and he's continued to learn even though we're not at school that's that's really good um any other success stories with this from other students um i think anytime for me i think it makes me happy and the students happy when we see each other because it's just a little bit of normal life from before all this happened it's nice to be able to be together so with the with the pandemic still going on and forever how long it goes on um and if and if and if after this finishes um are you all going to still continue to use these online tools or are you going to change back more face-to-face? -face? What do you think is going to happen? 
Well, this is Nancy. I'm, I'm sh sure we will follow the lead of, of public education in Maine in terms of when students return to their buildings, um, then you know, we will be supporting them in their academic setting, wherever that is. Um, so, you know, we will do that. The, the question that has come up is, would we, you know, consider continuing with some of the group things that we've done or some of the online learning that we've done? And a lot will really just depend on students' availability and teachers' availability and, and you know, is that something that, people want to continue and if so we probably will um, but we all um, we're all somewhat of a captive audience right now we we are most people are pretty much staying at home so we're able to do these um, these things but once kids get back into their regular routines and they're going to school and then they're after school activities we'll just have to see how that how that plays out we have um, I can speak for myself and I think um, many of the teachers who have joined the calls that we have enjoyed them very much they have been a breath of fresh air um, and that's both the group calls that we've had for for the read-alouds but also I'm hearing that across the board with people who are doing zoom or FaceTime or whatever they're there it's a it's a different way of learning for sure but you know people have enjoyed that interaction but I think when we get back to school we will follow the lead of, of public education. What advice do you all have for blind and visually impaired students and their families who are currently practicing distance learning? This is Nancy. Um, I think um, my, my, my biggest um, advice is to uh, take things as they come, to, to not have unrealistic expectations, um, because this is a difficult time for everybody with all things considered. Um, but I also think it's a time to celebrate when you can, to have fun when you can, um, to challenge yourself when you can. Um, so I think we can, we can make the best of this opportunity, try some new things. Um, and I, I guess that's my advice. Try something new. Be creative. <laughs> is there anything else you all would like to add? Yeah, I would agree. I would, yes, the, the quote, you don't know what you don't know, kind of comes to mind. And so I definitely would just encourage people to reach out and seek help and resources. And um, I think, you know, agree sort of about the silver lining and seeing it as a little bit of an opportunity. I've certainly, I began to learn Braille when Tyler was younger and I'd, um, for whatever reason, just life got busy and I hadn't focused on it as much as I probably could have or should have. And so this has been a great opportunity for me to really um, work on that and gain those skills so that I can then work with him. I didn't have a really clear picture of what he did in school each day, and it's really been nice for me to kind of be a little bit more of a um, part of his everyday learning. It's like you're really inside the classroom, but at home. Exactly, yep. <laughs> yes, and with all this quarantine, I think all of us, it's, it's great that all of us are all together, learning at home, eating together at home, you know, doing things together at home that in everyday life these days, pre-COVID-19, you didn't see as much of. Exactly. Yep. I agree with that. Okay, everybody. I think that Catholic Charities Maine is transitioning into distance learning well and helping blind kids continue to learn and succeed in school. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.
Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash sha dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at acbradio.org slash SOFTB. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on On ACB ACB Radio Radio Mainstream. Hi, I'm Donna Brown from Wild Wonderful West Virginia. While the radio waves are terrible in West Virginia, ACB radio can be accessed in many different ways. Join me in listening to the various programming on ACB radio. Thank you. This is Doug Powell, member of the Board of Directors, Chair of the Rehabilitation Issues Task Force, and Team Leader for the Information and Peer Support Team. I want to thank you for listening to ACB Radio. ACB Secretary Denise Colley. Good morning. I love listening to ACB Radio. Hello, it's Leslie Spoon from Orlando, Florida. Good morning, ACB Radio. Board member Michael Talley. They love ACB Radio, and I'd strongly encourage you to listen to it. Have a great day. listening to ACB Radio Mainstream. Learn more about us at our website, www.acbradio.org.